0: And now, a message from Pastor Josh Carmody. Very good. Um, this morning, I am going to talk... Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'm going to talk... Wow. Very quickly. No, I'm actually not going to talk a whole... Like, very fast. Um, I'm just going to kind of hit some main stuff. And the beautiful thing is, you guys are going to go then home this week. It's the 4th of July weekend. You might be traveling somewhere. Uh, you might be doing something. So what you're going to do is, you're going to take a Bible along. You're going to have the new Covenant app, and you're going to pull out... A study guide, our weekly study guide, and you're going to dive into this material for yourself. I got a whole bunch of reading for further reading and reflection and study, um, and so I'm going to give you guys an overview. I'm going to give you a snapshot today, and then at, this home, at home this week, sometime, you guys are going to study this material for yourself. Can I get an amen on that one? And uh, don't amen when church without meaning it now. So, uh, be, uh, so be prepared for that, and it'll be, uh, it'll be a good thing, because we believe that the Bible is transformational. Um, and we hide God's word in our hearts so that we will not sin against him. That this, it, Oh, man, I can't even get started on it because we've got to get going. But the Bible is so important to our lives. It is, it is so important to us, and so we need to devour it and get it inside of us. We've been talking the last uh, few weeks about this idea of a humble life, and uh, we started off with a quote by C.S. Lewis. He's a, a famous Christian author, wrote a bunch of books, And he said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself what? Less, right? So it's not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And that's humility. And and we're called to be a humbled people, to have humility in our lives. Because I got to be honest with you, when I look in the mirror, I'm not all that impressed with myself. I'm not all that impressed with who I am and all that i am done and this and that. and whatever. I'm just not all that impressed with me. What I am impressed with is the fact that God would love me. What I am impressed with the fact that even though I, I'm up here standing in front of you and public speaking, that was never something that I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to go public speak someday and stand up in front of people. And that was never a dream or desire or anything. But here I am, not because of me, but because of the gifts that God has placed inside of me. And so it's so important for all of us to look at ourselves and say, God, thank you for saving me. God, thank you for taking me and using me. God, thank you for cleaning my life up. Man, I know I, know I don't look that great, but oh, I look a whole lot better than I used to. right? God, thank you for taking my life and transforming me and rearranging me and making me a new creation. And you know what that does? That humbles us. Because it wasn't me who got me there. It wasn't me who did it, but it was God who did the work in me. We read it in Philippians 1, verse 6. He, you know, that God began a good work in us, right? And that he is faithful to complete it. And so this good work that God has started, it humbles us. And so we should live humble lives. Pastor Mike talked about we should be blameless and innocent. Last week he said that as children of the light who shine in the dark places. Amen? that we should be the children of light, that Jesus Christ has given us light, and that we can go into a dark world and be a light for all to see. And so this morning we want to continue on in Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 19 through 24. So let me read those for you this morning. This is Paul again talking. He says, I plan according to Jesus' plan to send Timothy to you very soon so he can bring back all the news of you he can gather. Oh, how that will do my heart Good. I have no one quite like Timothy. He is loyal and genuinely concerned for you. Most people around here are looking out for themselves with little concern for the things of Jesus. But you know yourselves that uh, Timothy's the real thing. He's been a devoted son to me as together we've delivered the message. And as soon as I see how things are going to fall out for me here, I plan to send him off. And then I'm hoping and praying to be right on his heels. And so here's Paul. Here's Paul. He's talking. He's writing to this church, Philippi. And he begins talking about this young man named Timothy. Timothy's a young pastor. Timothy is a young pastor who grew up in the faith. And Paul is his spiritual mentor. Paul is his uh, father in ministry. And, and Timothy, as Paul said, is his son in the ministry. He's his mentor. They're friends. They're working together, spreading the gospel. Of Jesus Christ. Paul even writes a couple of letters to young Timothy. If you read in your Bible and you come across 1st and 2nd Timothy, that's what he wrote to Timothy to encourage his young pastor who he loves. And we see in these scriptures that Timothy is humble. He's humble. He's a humble person. It's it said in these scriptures that he is loyal and concerned for others. Those are humble qualities, having concern for others. It says he isn't looking out for himself. We've talked about this, that when we're humble, we look out for the needs of others in addition to our own. I mean, we take care of our self and our needs and things like that, but we, in addition to that, we reach out to others. Amen? And that's humility. And so Timothy is doing that. Uh, and he was doing more stuff. Oh yeah, he's concerned for the things of Jesus. That's a good thing. And Paul says this. I like this. This says, tells me that he's a humble guy. Paul says Timothy is the real thing. He's the real deal. He's the real deal. He's the real thing. He's says what he says, and he means it, and what he says he'll do. He's the real thing. He's full of love and humility. And so I have three points from this text today, and uh, we're going to get through them, and it's going to be awesome. You guys with me? All right, here we go. First one is this. He starts out in that scripture. He says, I plan according to Jesus' plan, to Jesus' plan. So here's the thing. We should plan our life according to Jesus' plan for our life. We should plan our lives according to Jesus' plan for our lives. Proverbs uh, 16, verse 9 says this, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. How many of you ever made plans before? Plans of how you thought something was going to go. How many of you ever had made those plans and how you thought something was going to go, and then it turned out nothing like you had planned? Anybody? Where are you at? All right, so all of us, right? We've all made plans, and we have started out on a path towards those plans, and everything just fell apart, right? Why is that? I don't know. It could be a lot of different reasons, but that happens. And so my question to you is this. Are you willing to let your plans be interrupted? Have you ever made plans, like I said, and quickly realized that those plans are just not going to happen? It happens. So we can make our plans, but I like this, the Lord determines our steps. It's important to plan. It's important to have vision. It's important to have ideas. It's important to have goals and dreams and to think ahead. But it's also very important to say, you know what, God, I'm going to move in that direction. But I know ultimately that it's you that directs my steps. Look at what it says in Psalm 37. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall for the Lord holds them by the hand. I like this, so that anybody, anybody, this is the godly. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. So the Lord directs the steps of those who have put their trust in God. If you have put your trust in God, then God will direct your steps. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will, what? Direct your paths. He orders your life. How does he do that? When we trust in him, when we look to him, when he is the God of, of our life. It says that he directs our steps. Look at this. He says he delights in every detail of your life. He delights in every detail of your life. Most of us men, women start talking about details and we check out. Give us big picture, give us like nut bolt and boom, we're done. No, no. Details, right? Guys are not super detailer. God is into every little detail of our lives. Everything we're thinking, our hopes, our dreams, our concerns, our fears, everything going on, he is concerned about us, and he knows the details of our lives. And he says because of that, he delights in every detail. And when we stumble, when he sees us stumble, I like this, we will never fall because God holds us by his mighty hand. We will never fall because God holds us by his mighty hand. Hand. A lot of times we think that we're going through life alone or I'm, I'm walking this journey out by myself. I want you to know, look around, you have people walking this journey with you. You have people here who can support you and love you and pray for you. But let me tell you something, you are never going through life alone because God always has you by the hand. He's working out his steps. Before you even lived one day, your life was set before God. He knows all about us. He knows the plans for our life and what's gonna happen from day one to day whatever. And so even though we stumble, even though we trip up, even though plans don't go the way we thought they should, God is always there holding us by his mighty hand. Amen. Maybe you ask and you say, well, how can I plan my life according to Jesus's plan for my life? How do I know? so people ask, well, how do I know what God's will for my life is? How do I know what his plan for me is? And I can tell you this, spend time in God's word, pray, and listen. Spend time in God's word, pray, and listen. And here's the thing that we I think a lot of times forget, is you have to start moving. It says he's going to order your steps. That means you have to be taking steps. If you feel stuck, if you feel like you're just living and you're not really moving towards anything, you're just there, you've, you're, you're stalled out, you've, you've become annoyed with life, you're frustrated, but you just feel stuck, the first thing you got to do is just start moving. Dory would say, "Just keep swimming, right? That's what she said. But just start moving, and the direction will come. God will guide your steps. And so that's part of it: is just get moving. Spend time in God's Word, pray, and listen. You, where, where do I go? Who do I? What do I move towards? You move towards Jesus. You begin to live your life more and more, and each and every day, praying and reading the Bible, and and listening, and you begin moving towards. Jesus. And as you move towards Jesus, he guides and directs. A lot of times we want to know, God, what am I doing for the rest of my life? And what are the plans? and Give me all the steps. And he just doesn't always do that now, does he? He says, you know what? I need you to be faithful and live your life and trust in me to do the rest. How do I know if I have the right plan? Follow God. Follow the peace of of God. You know what I say a lot of times when I'm unsure what to do? There's been many times in my life when I'm unsure. I say, God, here's my plan. Here's the direction I'm going. If it's from you, then let me go that way. If not, reorder my steps. God, this is my plan. This is what I'm doing. But if that's not the way, then close that door and show me where to go next. But I have to start what? Moving. I have to start moving. That's how it happened to me when I was going to go to college. I was going to go to Iowa Central. God, I don't know what to do really completely totally with my life, but I'm going to go to Iowa Central unless you want me to do something else. A few weeks before class started, boom, here's this thing. Article, read it. I'm going to that school. Boom, going to that school. All right? Why? Yeah, because I was, it was one of this big, like, ooh, I literally read an ad out of a magazine. It wasn't even an article. It was an advertisement. And God used an advertisement to get to me to tell me what to do. Isn't that cool? And so that's how, why? Because I was open to hearing what he wanted and followed it. Second thing, first thing, plan your life according to Jesus' plan. Second thing, real quick, look out for other people. We've been talking about this quite a bit. If you've been around at all and we're talking about a humble life, being on the lookout for the interests of others is important. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10 says this, you say I'm allowed to do anything, Paul's writing here, but not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Are you allowed to leave church today, hop in the car, and speed home? Go 5, 10, 15, 25 miles an hour over the speed limit. Yes or no? Are you allowed to, if you want to? Are you allowed to? Are you guys confused? Will your car physically go over 15 miles an hour over the speed if you want it to? Awesome, you guys are good. Okay, is that beneficial? No. Now, does it get you somewhere quicker? Yeah. Okay, but it's not beneficial or good for a lot of reasons. You can get a ticket, you could hurt somebody, you can endanger the people around you, correct? correct? So, just because you can do it, doesn't mean you should do it? No, and it's also illegal, so there's that, right? How about this? Are you allowed to? I mean, technically, can you, if you want to, go home, hop on Facebook, Twitter? Or have a conversation with someone after church and just rant and get into an argument? And just share your mind and say, I don't care who what I'm just gonna throw it out there and I don't care. Are you allowed to do that? Is that beneficial? Is that good? But are you allowed to do it? And Paul's saying here, he's saying, Listen, there's a lot of things I could do, and you could probably think of some other things. There's a lot of things I could do, but I choose not to because it is of no value or worth to anybody else. But I really need to get this off my chest, and I really need to tell someone off because they need to know how I feel about this. Well, maybe you should stop and pray and forgive them first and then go to them and say, hey, I want you to know that you had offended me earlier, but I want you to know that I love you and I care about you, and so I'm no longer offended at you, and I forgive you and release that so that I don't have to deal with it any longer and it's gone. It's a much better idea than hopping on Facebook and be like, who's with me? Let's go crucify him, right? <laughs> I mean... So just because you're allowed to do it does not mean that it's beneficial. We're allowed to do a lot of things, but it doesn't mean we should. Sometimes out of respect for others, it's best to refrain from doing something. Sometimes out of the best interest of other... I'm not saying you let other people run your life, and I'm not saying that you let everybody with an opinion tell you how to live yours. That's not what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is there's sometimes things that we should do out of respect for other people, it's like, you know what, I'm just going to put my needs aside for right now, and I'm going to think of them, and I'm not going to do that one thing. Or maybe there's something that you need to do that you normally don't do, and you're like, out of respect for somebody else, I'm going to do that thing. Like, say, I forgive you, even though you really want to say something else. <laughs> right? And so just because something is like that, out of respect for others, sometimes it's best to refrain from doing something, or maybe get out of character in doing something you know you should do. So look out for others plan your life according to Jesus's plan for your life. And last but not least, be concerned about the things of Jesus. This is what Timothy did. This is what made him humble. He was concerned for others and he was concerned about the things of Jesus. You say, well, what are the things of Jesus? What is, what is Jesus concerned about? What is on Jesus's heart? What, is, what do you mean when you say, be concerned with the things of Jesus? Well, I think there's a lot. I'm going to boil it down to just a couple today and that's these. Jesus offers forgiveness and salvation freely to all. Amen. Right. He offers forgiveness and salvation freely to all, now that's something that puts focus off of you and it puts it onto other people. That man, God so loved you that He gave His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. That if you would believe in Him, that you would not die a, a a life separated from God forever, but you would have life eternal with Jesus Christ. That takes the focus off of you, puts it on concern and care for somebody else, and points them to our Heavenly Father. Amen. And so I think Jesus came and He offered. For, I know He came and offered forgiveness and salvation freely. To all, And the second thing is this, Jesus expects life change as a result. A lot of times people are saved and they accept Jesus Christ and they live for him, but then there needs to be a change in our lives as well. So let me go through these two really quick. Jesus offers forgiveness and salvation freely to all by restoring our lives back to health. Look at what Matthew 9 says. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And then he added, Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. What did Jesus come to do? He came to offer forgiveness and salvation to sinners, to people who were far from God. And he offers them salvation and forgiveness so that they could now be close to God, right? That's what he did. That's what he was about. That's why he hung out with people that no one else, the religious people are like, why on earth are you hanging out with tax collectors? I mean, they were hated. Why are you hanging out with prostitutes? Why are you hanging out with drunks? Why are you hanging out with these political zealots? What, what are you doing hanging out with these people? You're going repu- to tarnish your reputation. Just says, listen, who'd I come here for? Who needs a doctor? You go to the doctor when you're healthy? You say, hey, doctor, fix me, I'm healthy. Or do you go to the doctor when you're sick and say, hey, doctor, fix me. I'm sick. Right? I don't know what's going on with me. I need something. I need healing. And that's what Jesus said. He said, I did not come for those who think they're righteous, but I came for those who know that they are sinners, who know that they are broken and sick and that they need someone to heal them. Whether it be a physical sickness or a mental sickness or a spiritual sickness, Jesus came to free us from ourselves. Amen? Jesus met people where they were and offered hope and healing. He was on a mission to help the sick. He met people where they were. He meets you and I where we are and offers us a new way of life. He meets us where we're at and offers us a new way of life. We too should be sensitive to where people are at in life. Sometimes I think we forget that we're called to hang out with the sick. Sometimes I think that we forget that we are called because the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, the Holy Spirit, and still doing the exact same work of forgiving and saving and restoring people back to health, mind, soul, and body. And sometimes I think we forget that that is our commission. It's not just the preacher's commission. It is not just the missionary's commission. It is the stay-at-home mom's commission. It is the person that goes to work nine-to-five commission. It is every single person that has breath in their lungs is supposed to go out and let the world know that Jesus Christ came to heal them of their sickness. You're holding the antidote. Give it to somebody. We're holding the truth of the gospel, but yet we keep it for ourselves in case we need it later. Give it away. Give it away. I cannot do this. The preachers cannot do it. The missionaries cannot do it. We all must do our part. All of us, we should be sensitive where people are at. Do we walk around saying those people are scum or do we invite them to our dinner table? Do we hang out with them? Do we get messy? Do we step into their lives and say, I am here for you and I love you. How can I help? I had someone call me the other day and their uh, baby was at the NICU in Iowa City and uh, they live in town. No idea how they got my number, but uh, they got it. And uh, they said they need to move. You know, we're in NICU and back and forth, and we need to move someone from an apartment in Fort Dodge to Fort Dodge. A house from Fort, wow, Fort Dodge to an apartment in Fort Dodge. I told you I'm trying to talk fast. And they said, we don't have any money. We, we can't. I said, man, when do you need to move? Today. <laughs> okay, I have no resources. Like, I have no idea, you know, I can try to find a moving company or something or whatever. And long story short, process of whatever, they found some people. Uh, they were able to get some trucks. And, and they said, could you help us at all? And I'm like, I will put gas in the trucks that you use to move the people. How about that? Great. You know, and they got everybody moved. And, and then I was going to meet them to get gas. And this was last night. I was spending time with my family at church in the morning. And, and they don't meet me for gas. And I was out. And I get annoyed. And it's like I just spent 30 minutes sitting in a parking lot. For nothing, I go home, they call me, ignore, put my phone down, I'm being honest. They call me again, ignore, put the phone down. This stuff is harder to walk out, I I preach it. Third time's a charm, because I was convicted at that point. (laughs) Sneaky suspicion that I was going to call them anyway, had they not called back, but they did. Hello? Yeah, where are you at? Well, I was waiting. I didn't see anybody. We're here now. I'll be there in a few minutes. <laughs> I went out, filled up the truck, right? It takes all of it. I mean, that's something simple. You know, oh, you guys, do you guys still do VBS there? Do you guys still do the ministry of the kids there? Oh, yeah, I've heard about you. I remember you guys. I mean, think about the testimony if I just ignore them all night. I reached out, you know, and the pastor was going to help me, but then, you know, apparently his grace for us ran out, so... He didn't put gas in our truck. I mean, that would have been the other version. That's exactly what I hit that button the second time. I'm like, Josh. I'm like, I know. (laughs) But I'm home, hanging out with my family. My family's important too. But moral of the story, you and I, we too should be sensitive to where people are at. Seek to help them, even if it inconveniences us. So Jesus expects life change as a result of salvation, and this begins with the choices that you and I make. Isaiah, I'm going to skip that one. Uh, John 8, 10 to 11. Let's finish up. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, there's a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. She was sleeping with another man that was not her husband or however that works out between the two of them, but they were caught having sex. Embarrassing. Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? All these people are like, we need to stone her. We need to kill her. She's awful. She's the worst. Let's kill her. Let's drag her out of town. And they leave one by one. And Jesus says to her, he says, where are your accusers? accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And then Jesus said this, neither do I go and sin no more. See, the cool thing about Jesus, we don't always get this right. We condemn, we judge. We say, you blew me off. You did it. You know, blah, blah, blah. You deserve what you get. Jesus doesn't judge. He says, I don't condemn you. I'm not pointing my finger at you telling you how awful you are. Instead, he says, I love you. Where are your accusers? Well, they're gone. Well, I don't accuse you or condemn you either. How about you just leave and stop sinning? How about you just leave and make good choices? That's what I tell my kids all the time. Let's make good choices. Apparently, I have to tell myself that too sometimes. Let's make good choices. Let's make good choices. That's, all, that's what he said. Go and sin no more. It is up to us to make Good choices. (laughs) He began the good work in us, but we still put forth the effort. We still have to make good choices. So yeah, we make mistakes. We mess up, but we don't receive condemnation. In newsflash, when people mess up and make mistakes, they don't deserve our condemnation. He didn't even speak to the sin. He he didn't even say, well, you know adultery is bad. You know you should have died. Or you know you really shouldn't do this. And he didn't call her any names. He just said, go and sin no more. If someone tells you all say, it's like, you know what? Make better choices. You don't have to put them on blast. You don't have to make all this other stuff. Just say, you know what? Go and just don't sin anymore. Make better choices. I know I need to. Let me tell you about the other day that I didn't make a very good choice. (laughs) Right? We all have a recent example, I'm sure. (laughs) So instead of me pointing out your faults, let me just tell you about some of mine, and then together we can figure this out. How's that sound? I think that's a little better approach. He didn't condemn or point a finger. He loved her and forgave her for her sin. And then he asked her to change. And that's what he asks of us. Get saved, accept Jesus Christ's salvation, accept his forgiveness, and then change. Do we see, receive grace just so we can sin even more because we know God's going to forgive us? So we might as well just keep on sinning. No, we don't do that. We want to change. Help us to change, amen? For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 5th Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515-955-6222.